Welcome to Devil 7, Episode 98. Daredevil, Season 1, Episode 1, Into the Ring. Welcome to Level 7. A podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Welcome, agents. It's time for something different, something strange, something you've been waiting for. This is Agent Daniel, but I'm not alone. I'm here with... Ben. Ben Avery. And Daniel, I thought we almost had a clip to go after the end credits there with your opening, but then I realized what you were doing. And yes, it fits and works nicely. (laughs) What can I say? And of course, it's not original. It was suggested. As was a number of things that we're going to be doing differently in this episode. Yeah, this is this is like we're playing again. <laughs> we're experimenting. We're trying some things out. I think there could be some surprises. Surprises galore yeah, in this I, episode. First of all, we've ironed out some audio kinks, I think. Um, I haven't heard any feedback from anyone suggesting that they are that the audio is worse anyway. Um and I've actually gone back and fixed a bunch of old episodes as well. Uh, I've also created some new sounders that we're going to be using. Uh, we have a new end credits that finally I won't have to read live the uh, Noodle.mx material. And I even have a sad trombone ready to go. So Excellent, excellent. We are, Who knows? Maybe, maybe in this episode, maybe we'll change places and I'll become the grumpy one. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Now, one thing, we don't have any news for this episode, although I think there's some Spider-Man news or something like that. But uh, the way we're going to structure things is we're starting with um, actually you and I uh, sent voicemails to the show right after watching the episode. And so we're going to start with that. And then we're going to talk about the episode. And then we have some listener feedback. And then we'll have a final word, some music probably a post-credit scene even though daredevil didn't do post-credit scenes do you know why they didn't do post-credit scenes in daredevil i really wanted them to do at least one yeah but you but know no, why I they couldn't why. they couldn't because of the software that netflix uses that automatically takes you to the next episode because mm-hmm. it, it starts like the, the end credits start and then it automatically takes you into the next episode before the end credits have finished they just need to pad it a little bit. I'm, I'm just saying there was a couple moments in some later episodes because as of this point, you and I have both seen the entire series, right? Absolutely. So there are a couple moments that could have been that post credit scene. Uh, and, and we'll get there. But today we're talking about episode one. And I'm pretty excited to talk about episode one, actually. It's... It was... Well, we'll talk about it. We'll talk and about I've it. And I've got a hole in my sock. That's 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 wonderful. It's kind of annoying. Toes sticking out of it. Don't quite know what to say to that. Just saying, I'm annoyed and frustrated. Grumpy. Yeah, maybe you are the the grumpy old man that wants people to get off his lawn and is going to keep their ball when it rolls into his lawn. 
Yeah? Maybe if there was more Bobby. There is no Bobby. We do get Karen Page. She's a person. Yep, she's a person. In this episode. And but no Bobby. Um, can't say that I really feel bad for you, Daniel, but uh, I think it's time for us to start. So Let's do it. All right, we're going to start with what we're going to call... Opening statements. And this is our calls that we did uh, to the show right after watching that first episode. So this is our fresh, excited, uh, right after end credits roll. We picked up the phone and we left a voicemail. So are you ready to hear what we had to say? Because I honestly don't remember what I had to say about this episode. So, Roll it. And the other thing is, the way I have my audio lined up here in my soundboard, I'm not sure which one I'm going to be playing first. Ooh. So I'm just going to play this one here. The, the file names are like all these just random letters, it seems like, uh, from the, the voicemail program. So are you ready? It's a blind call. Let's do it. <laughs> Ooh, it's a blind call, huh? Yeah? You meant that? Absolutely. Okay. I'm a professional, Ben. It's true. Here we go. Agent Daniel here. I'm a hot mess. Because I just finished Daredevil episode number one. Into the ring. So, how do I feel? Well, I like it. I definitely feel like it's different than some of the other things we've seen in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, though. It doesn't feel like a superhero story yet. It definitely feels more like a crime story or a street-level story, which, again, is something new. And so it's kind of a nice change of pace. It's definitely not Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and it's definitely not the Avengers. Um, but it's definitely well-acted and well-written so far, and I did enjoy it. It is interesting to see how Avengers, two years later, still impacting the city, and how the incident has led to further repercussions because of the crime. Um, it would be nice maybe if we could actually call it an alien invasion instead of something like the incident. Um, it feels like they're walking around it. Maybe they don't want you to feel like you had to have seen the Avengers. But who hasn't seen the Avengers that's watching this, for heaven's sakes? Um, interested to see what Matt's vision is going to look like. Right at the moment, I, I think we got a hint of it, but it was more of an aura. And, mm, I just don't know. I, I think we're going to see some sort of an Affleck future vision coming. But, uh, yeah, I, I, you've got my attention, Marvel. I want to know what's coming next. And then uh, his dad, um, who was it, Brian Keith, David Keith, who played him in the in the movie. I think of his dad as a big guy, and this guy just doesn't seem as big to me. Um, doesn't seem to be the sort of guy that would go up against Crusher Creel. Um I guess that's just to be seen. So, so far, one episode in, took me about 36 hours before I could see it, and I'm super excited and wish I could sit down and watch another one right now, which I can. So, signing off from this Missouri board, Agent Butcher out. All right, so that was your initial comments. How do you feel about that? You feel like that's the... You're, you're I'm really surprised by that. <laughs> Are you now? Have yeah. you changed your thoughts on anything? Or well, I'm so optimistic and wide-eyed. <laughs> wow! I know, yeah, Daniel. Were we ever that young? Times. Were we ever that young? 
Well, I was like three weeks ago, maybe maybe five. But wow, I was just so you were giddy, happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen it three times now. I, I feel a little less happy. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's hear what I had to say then. Hey guys, uh, Daniel, and um, m- me in the future. It's Ben, Ben Avery from the past calling into the future me uh, to give uh, my immediate reaction, my immediate impression of the first episode of Daredevil. We're doing this so we can, uh, I don't have to explain this. You probably already explained this in the context of the episode. I'm using it by three minutes. I need to hurry up. Okay. I liked this episode. I liked this beginning. I've got a couple profound thoughts that I had about this. One is this is Daredevil and it's a great MCUing of Daredevil. And the other is, uh, because of this, we're not getting a Daredevil movie. But you know what? I'd rather have this kind of thing than a movie. I'd rather do this kind of thing than go and sit in the theater. We're getting 13 hours of Daredevil. How many hours do we have with Captain America? You know, Iron Man is close to that, probably, between the Avengers movies and everything. But um, that's that's pretty cool. But I like the Foggy and Matt relationship. Um, I'm not so sure about the, the Matt and uh, Karen relationship yet because it hasn't had time to build, but she's not annoying me the way I kind of expected her to based on what I know about her from the comic books. Um, all things considered, we've got tonally a Frank Miller daredevil. And I don't know where this is going, um, but the biggest thing is, uh, well, uh, spoiler, spoiler, this is my prediction. Uh, Kingpin is going to get more involved in things. Um, now, I'm saying this without having seen any other episodes. I don't have any special knowledge. I'm just saying right now, Kingpin is going to be very involved in, in future episodes, and, and he's going to start doing more things than what he did okay. already. Really so, went out on a limb there, didn't you? Uh, but this episode itself felt like the self-contained episode. It felt like a pilot episode. It kind of gave you all the strands that they're going to follow through on as they, they keep moving forward. But at the same time, they did their case. It was a, a single episode case. This was the kind of show that I'm hoping for. This would have worked nicely on, on television, I think, except for the violence, man. Um, so anyway, uh, thanks for the, the great podcast, guys. Uh, talk to you later, Daniel, and future me. Bye. Wow. Yeah. Well, I guess we can say at this point that you got that prediction right. Oh man, I see. This is why we did it. You this nailed is why that we one. did that because I wanted to have it said before you know anything else happened. You know, and, and you know because anyone can say that, and then after it happens, you're like, yeah, but you 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 can say that you knew it was going to happen, but to actually say it before it happens. That's that's something. So, wow. Yeah. Well, yeah. Past past Ben is is just he's not too shabby, not too shabby. Uh, I had forgotten I had made that prediction, and boy, did that come true in spades. So, all right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Should we move on then to to actually talk about the episode here and cool. now? Now let's do it. Okay. Case evidence. All right, so here's our story, Daniel. 
It's a simple story about a young boy who pushed an old man out of the way of some sort of horrible accident between a car and a truck carrying terrible chemicals that will mutate and destroy uh, your physical abilities. And that's where we start. I was not expecting to start here. Uh, and, and so we see the origin. And it's very close to what happened in the comics. And I'm glad that he saved the guy. That was nice. Nice touch. Um, but we didn't actually see the accident. I was surprised that we didn't see the accident. I was okay not seeing the accident. I was too. I liked where we started. We actually start on his dad. We see his dad before we see the boy, don't we? We do. And I think that to honestly, as a, as a parent and as a father, I think starting there with the dad, knowing that there was an accident, because I, I know about the origin, it made it more emotional for me. When if we had gone through step by step with the accident itself, it may not have had the same impact because it would have been about the the action, not the emotion. Now, I'll admit, I kind of expected almost for it to be tied into. And I don't know how this would have worked timeline wise, but that there, something was happening here that was related to the Avengers. Uh, because I had heard that the Avengers was going to be uh, referenced in this and, and a, a big part of the background of the city in this time and so I, I wondered if we were actually seeing you know some sort of something connected to the the invasion or the incident as they're calling it out of the invasion but no it wasn't it was Matt's dad uh, and another nice touch uh, he can't see he's yelling he can't see we see his final vision and the final thing he sees before he goes blind is his father and that is a really nice touch. Um, this is an origin episode, although we're not seeing the entire thing. I mean, really, the 13 episodes that we get are kind of the origin story. We get the origin of how he becomes Daredevil as a hero. And then we also get, you know, through flashbacks, the origin of how he got his powers and how he got his his uh, athletic ability. We probably should just say right now, if you've only watched one episode of Daredevil... It's entirely possible that we're going to spoil you. We're going to be for careful. We're going to be careful. I mean, we're going to try not to say anything that's going to be like, you know, in the call. I mean, I spoiled a little bit there. And and we gave yeah. away with our reactions how I was I was correct. I had correctly spoiled things. So, yeah, that Wilson Fisk is going to get around. <laughs> yeah. So, here we are. And we, we cut from the accident and we cut to a confession. And this is another nice moment here. I mean, these first two scenes are setting up who is this guy? He was in an accident. He was in an accident because he was helping someone or helping someone was a part of that accident. He's blind. And now he's in a confession booth. And he's not there for his sins that he committed in the past. He's there to find, to get forgiveness for what he's about to do. That, uh, again, this is some nice touch to the character. He's doing it, you know? Doesn't matter. He's going to do it. He wants forgiveness. But he's going in preemptively to get that forgiveness. So, yeah, this is, again, this is a, a great, a great moment here. And talks about his father. We get more information about his father. And what his, what his grandmother used to say. 
those Murdoch boys got the devil in them. And this is important. This these are quiet moments, but they are establishing character. And they are important because we're about to go to a moment that's not quiet. And that is where bad people are doing bad things. They are kidnapping it's, women. I interpret it as a guy just sitting there by the harbor enjoying himself. Just sitting back and relaxing. Sure, a fight breaks out in front of him. Seriously, how can you not stare at that guy? He's just sitting there. I know. He's, uh, yeah. He's he's just playing it cool, you know? He's just playing it cool. You don't want to make waves when you got someone who's doing giving a beat down to all those other people. You just sit back and relax and you watch that beat down happen, buddy. <laughs> oh, and what a beat down it is. <laughs> this is where, okay, these three scenes that happen before we get to the opening credits tell us almost everything we need to know about what we're getting into here. We got the setup for his origin. We've got the confession with some of the themes that they're bringing out, the relationship with his father, and then these guys—they're they're involved in human trafficking. They're—they're they're bringing these ladies to put them into some form of sex slavery uh, or something like that. And they tell them, "Scream all you want, scream louder. Nobody cares. Nobody cares." But you know who cares, Daniel? You know who cares? The guy in the ninja hood? Yeah, let me tell you who cares. It's Daredevil. He cares. He's not Daredevil yet. He hasn't been named that yet. Uh, but he cares, and he's there. And we get a rough, tough-to-watch fight. And it ends with Daredevil going full-on crazy, just punching that guy. I think it was, a, was it a Turk that he had down that he was punching at the end of that scene? I think it was I Turk. I believe so. Um. Which, nice, nice. We got Turk. He, Turk's one of the few Daredevil uh, supporting cast uh, beyond Foggy and, and Karen Page uh, that I actually knew about. And that was because of the Marvel role-playing game. He was one of the non-player characters that that came with the game that you, you were given as a game master to use easily uh, for an informant or something like that. But, I was going to say, was he a snitch? Yep. He'd be your snitch. He'd be the guy that you'd go to and shake down for information. Um and yeah, he's named Turk, and I just thought that was the weirdest thing, Turk. But anyway, and then you saw Scrubs, <laughs> and then I saw Scrubs, and Turk wasn't quite so weird. Yeah, so he's he's just giving him a beat down, and then we cut to the opening credits. Opening credits, Daniel. What do you think about the opening credits here? As the music starts, we've got some fantastic music. We've got the names of the people who are important here coming up. We have the city being covered in Pepto Bismol. And it's just, it's a great effect. I'm not sure why it's being covered in Pepto-Bismol. Um, just that thick pink liquid just being poured Maybe over. Maybe it's the indigestion from all the crime. Well, it could be. I mean, Hell's Kitchen is sick. It has a sickness. And that sickness's name is crime. And when you've got indigestion, you want something that's fast acting. And even faster acting than Daredevil is Pepto-Bismol. The official sponsor of Welcome to Level 7. <laughs> it coats the stomach and soothes your pain. So, now, if only we did actually have Pepto-Bismol money. That'd be nice. It'd be nice. But we don't. And, you know, the Pepto-Bismol account slipped through our fingers. So we're, we're moving on. In a lot of ways, we're a lot like Foggy and Matt. You know? I wake up in the morning with a phone call from you. 
and you're going off to bribe the police. And then we rented our Welcome to Level 7 office that has a nice view. But uh, So here's where we introduced to present-day supporting cast, and that is Foggy. And we find out they've been friends for a long time. You can tell they've been friends for a long time. They speak almost in shorthand. Um, they, re- they refer to things in the past. Um, so we get an idea of the relationship, and it, it could be a little spot on sometimes, but it's nice and it's fun. I'm enjoying the friendship. Foggy is really going to bribe a police officer, but he's giving him cigars for the police officer's granny. Uh, just to get, give me a tip, man. Just give me a tip. Hey, best likes to smoke. Yeah. Hey, you know, she's still living. Um, so we cut from that. We go up into the the place that the, they're looking at renting this office and they're going to take it or maybe they're not. Who knows? They're not, they're not seeing eye to eye on every business decision that they have to make. And at this point I was a little confused. I, I wasn't sure how long they had been practicing law together and we'll find out later on. But yeah, uh, <laughs> Foggy basically he wants to take on anyone and Matt wants to take on the innocent. And Foggy says they're waiting for an innocent to stumble into their arms. And then we cut to our case of the week or case of the hour. If you're binge viewing, (laughs) it's pretty messed up, man. It's pretty messed up. I had no idea what we were looking at. Which might also be a theme for this show. (laughs) It's pretty messed up. Yeah. Yeah. So we see the crime scene, and the crime scene is a woman with a bloody knife standing over or leaning over a bloody body. So, I'd like to joke and say that that happens in my family, you know, on the occasion. I'd like to joke about it, but I won't. <laughs> That's probably, probably the, the correct choice, although I'm not sure if in doing it the way you did, I'm not going to think too hard about it, but... Yeah. I really wish it was a funny joke. <laughs> I see. I see. Yeah. But not, not not so funny. Yeah. Uh, so they have a first case because the bribe goes through. The, the cop gives them a call. They show up. She has no legal representation. Uh, and this is going to be their first case. And Matt believes her that she's innocent because he's got super heartbeat listening powers. And again... This is nice. I feel like we're watching the comic. I feel like we're watching Daredevil on the screen, doing what he does, listening to people, getting those details that no one else can get because he has those enhanced senses. I'm sorry. Based on my reading of comic books, what Daredevil does is throw away his female relationships at an alarmingly weird pace. Well, that's later. Oh, okay. That's later. Spoilers. Come on, Daniel. But that's based on comics. Yeah, I guess. So Matt believes her, um, and he also believes that something's not right about this case. And he is proven right, as we cut from him saying something's not right about this case, to Karen Page in bed in her prison cell getting attacked by a murdering guard who has been blackmailed by a man named Wesley who works for someone who cannot be named. And his 
Name is Voldemort. <laughs> uh, so we get another pretty brutal fight. And that's the thing I have to say about almost all these fights is even when they're choreographed, they're choreographed to be desperate. They're choreographed to be, we're fighting because we're trying to survive. Or we're fighting because we're trying to kill. But it's not like this great, awesome, choreographed, just martial arts kind of thing. Uh, and again, this is what you're getting into. Uh, we are watching a TV show, basically, where a man has attacked a woman in her prison cell and she has uh, survived by gouging his eye with her fingers. Um, well, and again, when we talk about the motivation of fathers, you know, we have motivation here. The, this prison guard, he's clearly been up to some immoral activities in the past. So we can't completely wipe the slate here on him, but the reason he's doing it is self-preservation of his family. Mm -hmm. Because Wesley has threatened his, his young one, his daughter. And it's a really terrifying threat, the way he does this. It's, it's very, it reminds me of Godfather type stuff. You exactly. Know, um, it, it, it's something he can't stop or fight. He's going to have to comply or she will die and he will not be able to stop it. So, yeah, he has a choice. His daughter or Karen Page. And Ben, if I was forced by Wesley to choose between Karen Page and you, well, I'm killing her. <laughs> I'd, I'd have to think about it. Um, Thanks, bud. Thanks a lot. Well, I mean, I'd have to think about it see, to see how I could have, have it work both ways. You know, rescue both of you. That's, that's what uh, I'd be thinking about. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't feel the love now. Karen's nice. She's a nice lady. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> I've read the comics. And there's hints toward a past that we'll get to later on. But... Back to the office, uh, she goes with them. She tells her story. She's found something in the books. Uh, she's found something that there's there's a whole lot of financial stuff going on into what she's found. But the bottom line is this. They're, they're laundering money. And she found where they were laundering it. And she asked her boss about it or her supervisor about it. And he just said it was, ah, it's fake. You know, we were just running some numbers to see how it could work if it was going to, if we we're going to try it. Um but she had uh, told the guy who was killed and that she was framed for his murder. Um, and the, so this file was accidentally sent to her. She has it in her possession. Uh, she goes in a – to me, I, I think this is a pretty egregious breach of a client-attorney relationship to, yeah, come home with me and um, strip half-naked and then – uh, we'll have a nice heart-to-heart -heart talk in my dark house. I, I just feel like that's kind of abusing the potential authority that you might have. That might come from my background as a teacher and as a uh, you know working with youth and that kind of thing. But this just feels kind of yeah, you shouldn't do it. But it's it's the meet cute moment, right? Well, but did they really go back to the house and take off half their clothes, or she? is that part of the setup? She talks about them going out to the bar and having a drink, which, again, we don't even know how much of 
in the end how much of that's even true because this is a married guy. No, I'm talking she, about her with Matt. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, well, no, that's, that's what Matt does. He's creepy. I've read the comics. <laughs> I'm talking about her and Matt. Um, no, uh, her and this, the guy who was killed, she did go out for, for drinks with him to talk about this. And that's how they knew that she was connected to him. And that's basically was his death warrant. Like as soon as she did that going out to drinks with him, basically he was put on the watch list for people who needed to die. And not that she's responsible for this murder. Oh, thank heavens we don't have to go there again. Yeah. So she is, though, uh, she's in deep. He asks her if she has the file still. Did she keep it? She says no. But, I mean, you just can't lie to a guy who can just listen to your heartbeat and know. And know if you're telling the truth or not. So, yeah, she makes then a pretty bad choice. Although, okay, so the next scene here is the meeting of the bad guys. And this is nice. This is nice. We get to see everyone who's in play. We have Owsley. Well, we get to see most of the people who are in play. Yeah, well, we don't They're get Kingpin, e- and we don't get some other you know faces that will show up later on. But we get Owsley, who basically runs the books for all these crime families or organized crime groups. We have Anatoly and Vladimir, who are they are the guys who were in charge of. Turk and Turk's mission to take the women into that horrible life of slavery or whatever it would be called. Um, they're the muscles. You have Madame Gao. I think that's how you say her name, who is a Chinese crime syndicate that is in charge of packaging drugs. And she uses blind people who have been blinded, it seems, uh, to to pack the drugs for her. Then you have Nobu, who's Japanese, and who, I think that's how you say his name. And we're going to find correct. out lots more about him later on. And then you have Wesley, the the kingpin's right hand, uh, who, he's the one who says, we don't say his name. And they don't get along. <laughs> Everyone has their own agendas. This, this is a great group of evil villains because... They all have their own agendas. They're not just working together because, oh, we're evil. They're working together because, well, they want their crime corner to to get money. And I'm not sure how many of these are actually from uh, the comics, although Owsley is uh, the owl, right? Which, this is a, yeah, this is the owl, debuted in Daredevil number three. So if you want to talk about a very, very traditional... Marvel villain and one who at times, I mean, he's even just recently been in Wade's daredevil Marvel now run where there's a lot of jokes about the owl being, um, ludicrous, um, stupid, easy to beat. And more recently, the owls become tougher, um, in his own little kingpin out in the San Francisco area. And for me, when you look at this, this is a very, very different interpretation of the owl that we see here it's a i mean if you want to stamp mcu on someone he's the one stamp it on him and they they do reference his costume from the comics they do reference uh the glasses 
you know, from the comics, you know, to give them that owl look. But, there is and one honest, moment you, where, but it's not in this episode. And even his his origin as a finance guy in the comic books is there, but it's a very it's not an owl that you're going to see reaching back and trying to punch Daredevil. He actually, I thought he reformed. It seemed like I had some comics where he had reformed. Like that might be the only Daredevil comics I actually have. They come, the they go. It, they come, they go. This is true. this is what happens. That's true. Uh, beyond that, these other guys, I don't know how they fit into comic lore, except for Nobu, but we'll get to that. We will get to that soon enough. So their topic of conversation, the man in black and the union allied situation, which is the situation that's that's Karen Page. And they're going to take care of that situation. They're going to take care of her. Um, take care of her good. <laughs> The gun. With their guns. With their guns. <laughs> um, We've been together way too long. <laughs> so here's the thing. I'm trying to figure out the plan uh, that they have used about uh, with Karen. Okay. The, the attempted murder in the jail cell did not succeed. So here's what they did. They killed the man that she was with and framed her for it so that later on they could kill her and make it look like a suicide is that i'm i'm trying to figure out what it is that they were actually trying to accomplish when they let her live unless it is literally that she'll lead them back to the the file somewhere but the problem with that is they were going to kill her in prison i got nothing man so this is this is the one misstep for the whole thing is just I, I just started scratching my head about well, what is the actual plan here? They could have just killed her at the beginning with the guy, made it look like it was a uh, you know he attacked her and she had self defense and then, um, but they end up both dying or something like that, or if they were going to get her into prison and then get her released so that they would she would lead her to, lead them to the the file. Um, I, this this part didn't quite set with me. I, I I didn't quite exactly understand. And maybe, um, you listener could tell me where I'm what I'm missing here. Um, other than dude, I've seen it three times. <laughs> other yeah. than it happened because of plot. We need this to happen so that this can happen. And and that's that's weak storytelling, which is something you're not going to hear me say much at all in the next 13 episodes about this. But this is one of those few times where it just kind of, Oh, well they had to do it because they had to. Okay. So anyway, uh, there's another thing in their conversation here that I found interesting. And that is that heroes and their consequences are why we have our current opportunities. That's an interesting thought because, but you know, it's awesome. (laughs) Okay. Well, I mean, it's it's reality. It would be what actually would happen in a world in which superheroes tear through the city all the time. There's going to be a lot of money floating around. And a lot of that money, you know, is going to lead towards organized crime, trying to get more and more of it. I'll be honest. I read books about Disney history, as you know, and it cracks me up to read some of the stories of the building of Walt Disney World. And... um 
extortion from the unions and organized crime trying to steal materials. Hmm. Basically, here we've got huge building projects in New York City due to um, what had happened in the Avengers. And that has created lots of material, lots of positions, and lots of money. And the, the organized uh, organized crime is going to get themselves some. They're going to get their piece. So basically, the Avengers saving the Earth has set up a situation in which organized crime can thrive. Yes, although to say the Avengers... Well, set up the situation falling from the sky with their waves of death. I mean, I mean, it's it's unintended consequences. It is consequential, but it's not intended by anyone. It's the sort of thing that would really happen. No, I I agree with that. I do. And and it's kind of interesting because it gets into that question then of um, somewhat gets into that question of, okay, did Batman become Batman because he was needed because of all the crazy criminals or did batman becoming batman create the crazy criminals and i I don't want i don't want you to hear here me saying well every contractor is tied to organized crime that's not what i'm saying what i'm saying oh that's what i heard so much of it going that's what i heard so much so that it's to all of our independent contractor way in (laughs) to all of our contractor listeners yes you did hear correctly daniel is against you and thinks you're there fine into uh, organized crime and therefore um daniel you've just marked yourself by the mm-hmm. organized crime listener element from welcome to all the seven they are now against and this you explains and, why i'm waiting on a repair here at my home for the third straight month and here i thought it was hydra daniel <laughs> that would be a great explanation this is terrible you know you're about to hear <laughs> that's the hole in my sock getting bigger <laughs> boom so yeah i i get attacked by hydra you get inconvenienced by organized crime. Yeah, it's not good. So the, the, we have the meeting of the bad guys, and then we see Karen and her terrible choice making. <laughs> this, now, this feels real to me, though. I, I, when I say it was terrible choice making, I'm not saying bad writing. I'm saying this feels like something someone would do in real life. Well, who is she going to trust? The lawyers that swept her off her feet and then let her take off her shirt in front of them. <laughs> to be fair, it was he was blind. It totally reminded me of the episode where uh, Hawkeye Pierce in Mash was pretending to be blind. Well, actually, he was blind for a while in the episode. He gets healed, but then he goes ahead and goes into the women's barracks, and he's sitting there and he's pretending to be blind. But then someone throws a ball at him and he catches it, and they realize that he's not blind. He's just there to. He actually, yeah, he, he's just there to harass them. Hmm. And that's when you the think sort about of Benjamin Hawkeye Pierce kids. from MASH and how he was sexually harassing his female nurse. Okay, well. Good job. Another, your role model. Uh, uh, he was actually for a little while. See, that's what I'm saying. It, yeah. You can send those uh, that to feedback at Welcome to Level 7, all that anti-Ben feedback. Benjamin Hawkeye Pierce, he is, I just, he just fell down a couple notches on the ladder for me. So anyway, Mm. back to the story. Um, This is, this feels realistic for her to go home, find the thing, um, you know, not tell the truth about the, the, the drive that has this file on it. Unfortunately for her, the bad guys were expecting her to do this. 
and they have someone waiting for her, and she is attacked. Fortunately for her, Daredevil was expecting her to do this. And so we get our third desperate fight, our third street brawl, basically. Uh, it's, again, choreographed. It's good. They're skilled uh, stuntmen doing their work here. Not a lot of CG. This is, you know, it feels bone crunching. It's rough. It's tumble. And they tumble out a window. And I, I wrote in my notes, it wouldn't be a Netflix original without flashbacks to mysterious pasts. I don't know how many original Netflix TV shows you've watched, Daniel. But all of them that I have watched have flashbacks to mysterious pasts that unfold over the course of the season. Well, that's my experience with the one Netflix original program that I've watched called Daredevil. <laughs> Bloodlines, House of Cards. Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, there was that wolf wolf thing that I, I hated that one. I didn't even watch the second season. But, yeah. but yet you watched the entire first. I did. I did. It was like Homer Simpson when he was watching Garrison Keillor on PBS and he just starts hitting the TV. Get funny. Why won't you be funny? No, this was me hitting the computer saying, get good. Why won't you get good? Wait, this is sci-fi now? I thought we were watching werewolves. What's going on here? Why is there this? Now we've learned that Ben has too much time to watch TV. Well, you know, there was a while there. There was a while. So we get a flashback to a father-son moment between uh, Matt Murdock and his father. And the gist of it is this. Dad doesn't want him to end up like him. You get the feeling that his dad... You've heard that sentiment where they say, the only good thing I ever did was to have you. You know, where a parent says that to a kid and... The, the parent who, who looks at their legacy as their children, as the only thing that they've left for the world that's going to make the world a better place is their children, and they can rest easy in that. I'm getting that feeling from Matt and his father. And, yeah, and so he's wanting him to do his homework. Do your homework, you know? Don't be like me. Don't get in fights. Don't do this. Don't do that. Be better than me. Come on, Matty, he says. Get to work. And as he's saying that, we cut back and we get the voice carried over as we cut back to Daredevil getting up in the rain, blood dripping. He's going to fight, man. He's going to fight back. He's going to fight hard and he's going to win. Daniel, this this happened to me today, actually. <laughs> you got into a fight in an alley during the in the rain? No, no. I, I had to push forward, though, in the rain because I left the windows down in my van. And there's a box of my comics inside. Mm. So I had to run. And, you know, I, <laughs> when I recorded the last comic book time machine with Matt, I actually spilled an entire glass of water over a bunch of comics. But those are my reading comics. I don't care about those. These, The box in the van was actually comics that I had written and had to sell. And so I went out and, man, just like Daredevil, who had to you know, walk home with those bruises and aches and pains... I had to spend the rest of my work afternoon in very wet pants and shirt. It was, it was awful. You're just, awful. you're a hero. 
Just a hero. So Daredevil wins. Karen is amazed. Daredevil gets the the disc and says he's going to take it to the authorities. And here is where, um, again, we get these great glimpses into how are we going to do things? How are we going to make things work? Because Karen says, you can't trust anyone. And so what's Matt's answer? Then we tell everyone. And they leak the information to the press. And it's out. It's everywhere. And so, I mean, Wesley has failed. He has not cleaned up this situation. It gets worse. Because the people he's used to clean up the situation, he now has to clean up. And so we end up with two more murders. But these murders both look like suicides. Um, We end up with uh, just Wesley having to save face with Kingpin as he's well, reporting in be on the phone. What? Well, with somebody on the phone. Okay. All right. I, yeah, I, I think it's safe to say that we're not spoiling anything <laughs> that, that the primary villain for the series doesn't appear in person, but his voice is heard in this episode. Um, yeah, and and he has to you know save face because Kingpin is saying, "Hey, I, I mean the voice, rather, is saying, uh, why? How did this guy fail? He was trained. He's a trained assassin." And Wesley says, "Oh, I'm looking into it." Um, and then kills him. Right. I mean, this is the way they take care of things. They they take care of things well. They do their jobs well. Unfortunately, doing their jobs is is to be a murdering murderer who murders. So, yeah, but Karen is safe. She is not a good but target for them anyway, right? But she's not a good target because if they were to kill her now, you know, it could come out that she was the one who leaked or whatever. And plus, the damage is done. Anything they're trying to avoid by killing her has been done, and she doesn't Which have a job. They're very pragmatic about it. it. They're not out here at the moment looking for a revenge killing. No, no. Does this killing help us in any way? Well, the damage is done. Let's not kill her then. Yeah, and again, they're setting up who are these people? Who are these people With who are brilliant willing? brilliant montage. Yeah. Well, before we get to the montage, we have the celebration where Karen Page says, you know, I... I'm going to make you a meal. I promised my mom I would only make this for the man I marry. And Daniel, are we looking, are we hearing, uh, are we hearing a premonition of wedding bells? I do. I think it's wedding bells for Foggy and Karen. Uh, spoiler. Cause we're, well, sp- I think we're supposed to think at this point that Matt and Karen are possibly a thing. Only because we've read the comics. But, you know, that it's already been established that Matt in this world burns relationships quickly. <laughs> yes. And also doesn't think whenever a beautiful woman is involved. If there is a beautiful woman of ill repute in the room, Matt will find her and Foggy will pay the consequences. I'm just saying, Ben, when Mrs. Butcher's around, I don't think clearly. And she's not a woman of ill repute. (laughs) 
That's good. That's good. She's got my attention. Yeah, and I don't have to pay any consequences. So let's keep it that way. <laughs> let's keep it that way. Uh, so they celebrate, and then boom. They got a secretary, man, because they got her off because it's easy when your client is innocent to take care and, and do your job and get them exonerated. And she needs a job. They need a secretary. And she owes them money. So. And all I'm thinking the whole time is doesn't Karen need to eat? Because they don't really have the money to pay a secretary. You know, at first it is, I think, paying off what she owes them. So she's working for what she's already spent in in hiring them and having them do the job. But but even when paying off that bill, she's still got to eat. Well, yeah, but you just work a second job then. You know, you pay your debts. Don't you listen to Dave Ramsey? You pay your debts. You get that second job so you can get your debts paid down. And then you don't have to do it anymore. So you, you can stop delivering pizzas on the side. She's really, really, really got to eat. Only if she wants to survive in the city. Yes, she, she does lives in one of the most expensive cities in the United States. They also have to eat. Both Matt and Foggy. Basically, you have a situation now where hopefully they can get a paying client. But she's got savings right now that she can dig into to, to buy. She's going to burn through it. Yeah, yeah, but she'll she'll be she'll be eating fine soon enough. She bought that food somehow that she was able to cook for them. I mean, the food came from somewhere. She didn't steal it. I don't think dumpster. Could have been, as long as you cook it well. Before she lost her cable, she saw on the BBC how you could go through dumpsters and reclaim food. Yeah. Uh, if only I had never done that my entire life. I'm not going to talk about my dumpster experiences. So, moving Grandpa on. I always said the rabbits got to eat. <laughs> Moving on, we get the... I mean, li- uh, literally, he raised rabbits, and they oh, had okay. to eat. <laughs> we get the montage at the end, and it is a nice montage. We get a training montage for Matt, where he's just taking out all of his frustrations on that punching bag. And we get the cleanup from Wesley, and we see these other guys involved. And, you know, we see Owsley taking care of money, because that's what he does. And he's he's cleaning up what he can with the money. They've they've killed the people they need to kill. Made it look like suicide. It's great because that that covers up everything, and there are no loose ends as far as knowing that Karen Page was going to die, other than Karen Page who didn't die. Um, and we get to see the drug operation that Madame Gao is running, and we kind of get to see really a glimpse into our future. What things are we going to be dealing with? It's a brilliant foreshadowing montage. Yeah. The only thing you really don't see is Wilson. No, you don't. Is that a bad thing? No, I I think it's fine not having the reveal in the montage. If anything, this montage gives us more information about our villain circle, our circle of mistrust that we had earlier. Because now we now kind of get an idea of where all of their responsibilities are within mm-hmm. organized crime. Except for no- Nobu. You, you get a kind of a feeling of what his goal is, 
but his blueprint really doesn't tell you what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, he's Gal's involved. Doing the drugs. Osley, Osley's doing the money. The Russians are doing the kidnappings. And Nobu is involved in the the real estate angle of things. I mean, he's the Lex Luthor from Superman the movie side of things with the real estate scheme. But it all comes together because they are doing you know the rebuilding and everything like that. So we do see how these kind of these things kind of lock in together and. Yeah, this is this is it. This is who we're dealing with. This is our season. And yeah, you're right. Brilliant is a great word for it. And I'm going to use words like brilliant as we talk about this series. Spoiler, but I'm going to use those kind of thing, words. And so. I will use words like acceptable. <laughs> well, let's talk about some things real quick. I don't want to go too long with this episode, but there are some things we need we need to cover that will kind of bleeding to our conversation for the next few episodes. But as far as the acting goes, what do you think about our, our characters here, our, our actors? Um, uh, well, I think Charlie Cox had a pretty big, a pretty big obstacle to overcome with me being, I'm not a huge daredevil fan. I've just not been overly excited about him. I've been a little bored with him at times and on welcome to level com, if you were reading through comic files you got to see my journey through daredevil trying to find the daredevil that was for me that i liked and so charlie cox you know big shoes to fill but one not big shoes big obstacle to overcome and i will say he's the best daredevil i've ever seen and the best matt murdoch that i've ever seen granted we've only seen three yeah, well, I'm including the comics, too. I like okay. him better than the comic version. It's just I'm still not overly excited about Matt Murdock. And some of his supporting cast really gets doesn't get me excited. I mean, Karen Page, to me, I'm just not really honestly overly interested in Karen Page in the comics. This Karen Page here is will get interesting at points, but... Again, kind of fell flat for me. Uh, Foggy, I like the fact that oftentimes in the comics, Foggy is purely, 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 purely comedic relief. Um, And he does have that element here. But you also do feel like that he is an equal partner in the the firm, that he's educated and has uh, connections and is bringing things to the firm. So I actually, I like this Foggy quite a bit. I like Wesley. I like somebody that we haven't seen yet a lot. And, and well, uh, two somebody's that we haven't seen yet. I like a lot. I actually like this version of Ben Urich too. Which we haven't seen yet. Which we haven't seen. Really? So yeah. we, we can talk about that later. Right. Uh, but and- um, right at the moment, as I see what I've got in front of me, the, the character that most has my attention, I want to know more about is Wesley. Just because he, he is foreboding. But yet he seems so businessy. Mm-hmm. Like he could be in the cube next to me at work. He's a matter of fact. He gets things done. And I've enjoyed Wesley in this. And again, best Daredevil I've ever seen. I mean, it was funny watching them in the, the cell, you know, 
oh, seven and a half hours we've been practicing law. But again, I'm still not like I'm not like bowled over. And and I wasn't really expecting to be overly excited. Again, I was very, very surprised by my call-in that I was as interested as I sounded. I've watched this three times now, and I I think my interest level is back to where I think it should be, which is, you know, it's MCU, so I'm excited to see it, but at the same time, not my favorite part of the MCU. And I'm guessing in the end, when we talk in three, four years about what my favorite Netflix series is, it probably won't be Daredevil. Interesting. Because I do, I have high expectations for a series that I really, really want to see in Netflix. Which one's that? Iron Fist. I really want to see Iron Fist. I really want to see what they do there. Well, I and my and my interest in Luke Cage is tied into Iron Fist because I want to see how they're going to tie in Luke Cage to Iron Fist because there's a lot of interesting brotherhood sort of things going there. Okay. But on that side of things, I prefer the, I prefer the karate because ninjas make everything better. <laughs> Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, as far as... Promise me <laughs> that we'll get there. As far as Matt Murdock goes, Charlie Cox, I like him. Uh, I think he does well. He has a tough job to do. And Ben Affleck had the same job, and so did... What's his name from the Trial of the Incredible Hulk? But you are playing a guy who is blind, but who is basically also pretending to be blind. And that's not easy because you, you're playing a guy who is actually aware of the surroundings, but who's pretending not to be aware of the surroundings. I think he does that well. I will say the, his look, it took a while to grow on me. Uh, he just didn't feel like – he didn't feel like a mouth actor, Okay. Now, what's a mouth actor? That's someone who has to wear a costume like a Batman costume or a, a Daredevil costume where you don't see their eyes, really. You only see their mouth and their nose. And it his mouth and chin just didn't work for me at first. They did. I, I, it grew on me. But at first, I was trying to figure him out because you can't see his eyes. And a lot of acting is done in your character's eyes, in, in your actor's eyes. And so he's doing that. So he had, you know, obstacles as well for me. But the obstacles that he has here are really more uh, obstacles of of craft and and having to, you know, win me over, not because I don't like the character, but win me over because I want to like the character. And as far as Karen Page, we don't get a lot of her here. Foggy Nelson, though, I really, really enjoyed um, in this episode. I, I enjoy – he is the comic relief. You're right. Yeah, but, but at the but same you know I mean? time, he is confident. He is a lawyer who has gone through law school and has done well, passed the bars, and now is, you know, he's had jobs, he's had internships, he, he's done this, and he's done it for, you know, as, as long as Matt has, and he's good enough that Matt wants to be his partner. And, and really, I, I'll be honest, I've read some Frank Miller fro- foggy. And it's literally, and this was my fear with Foggy. Sometimes with Foggy, it's literally like, oh, that stupid Foggy. Look at that thing he did now. <laughs> Versus somewhere in the one of the Wade runs, they established that Foggy has, um, uh, he has photographic memory. And so he can remember every law 
and every code in, in those big, big law books. And it makes him, even though he's doing the funny stuff and he's definitely the less socially confident of the two of them, it's, it helps make him more interesting that he's not just a doofus, but he's a comedic relief who's got some some backbone to him that brings something to the table and is still able to be the fun guy, still be able to crack a joke. He doesn't have to be the butt of those jokes all the time because he does have things that Matt can't do. And then with, with Wesley, James Wesley played by this, uh, I don't know who this guy is, Toby Leonard Moore. Um, I've never seen this guy before. If I have, I don't remember ever seeing him before. You say he could be the guy in the cubicle next to you. I say that's true, but I wouldn't want him to be. This guy is steel. I mean, this guy is, you, you, uh, he he fixes his gaze on you and you're going to die. Uh, You do not want to be in his gaze. You don't want him to be, uh, you don't want his attention because he'll take care of you and he will take care of you. Uh, within the confines of the law, as far as he, he's not going to get caught anything that he does that's, that's wrong, you know, um, he's a perfect, perfect right hand man to whoever not, that voice was. But it, it's not like he's the sort of guy who you look at him and, and you think, oh man, that guy is out to get me like a crusher creel. Okay, Crusher Krill, he walks into the bar and everybody knows he's trouble. He's a bruiser. Yeah. No, when Wesley walks into the bar, he fits in. He blends in. He, he, especially if it's a bar of Wall Street brokers all in their suits, it's not until he really moves on you. Right. When he gives you his attention, you don't want him to set his eyes on you to set his sights on you you don't want him to you know have a reason to talk to you <laughs> because the reason he's going to have to talk to you is going to be something that's going to involve you being dead otherwise you're not worth his attention you know unless he can use you you're not worth his attention and this this actor is great and does the job well and he holds his own against all those other crime bosses, even though he's not the boss. He's put in a really awkward position. He's there to speak for the guy that they're not going to name. But the guy that they're not going to name isn't actually there, and they want to see the guy. They don't want to see the lackey. But here comes the lackey, and okay, i got to put up with these guys and their comments, and you know, and he he, he has power over them. Some because of who he works for, but yeah, it, it's good stuff. And, and I, I like him. He does a great job. And I like Owsley too. That, I like Owsley also. He's you great. Know, he's fun. Toby, Toby Leonard Moore is in the Pacific and it makes me, in a few weeks, you're going to be unavailable to record. And it makes me want to binge watch the Pacific because I did not really realize he was in it. Hmm. But I have it downstairs. I've watched about half of it, and I need to start it over again and binge watch it. Now, speaking of hidden again, roles, uh, Eldon, man, Eldon Henson, he's been in quite a few things, including 
uh, Mighty Ducks. Ducks. Yeah. There's your Disney connection for you, man. Well, he kind of, you think to yourself, oh, he hasn't done much. You know, he did the Mighty Ducks and then all of a sudden he has this resurgence. He's been, he's been getting food on the table. Yeah, he's, he's been, been working. a lot of things. He's been working. And uh, Owlsley guy, Bob Gunton, he's been working. I mean, I like him already, but one, one of the things that's nice about him is he's a familiar face. I couldn't tell you what he's been in, but I could tell you I've seen him in a lot of things. Yep, Shawshank. Uh, looking at his, his IMDb right now, uh, Desperate Housewives, Shawshank Redemption, Argo, Argo. Demolition Man, movie. Ace Ventura, uh, Desperate Housewives. Elvis meets Nixon as President Nixon. Come on. Nice. Star Trek Next Generation. Oh, he was Captain Benjamin Wax- Maxwell. Oh, he's the chief in Demolition Man. Great yeah. movie, Demolition Man. Glory. Yeah. I mean, he's got a career that goes way, way back. Um, Sesame Street Home Video visits the firehouse. I mean, uh, Law & Order, L.A. Law, Perry Mason, JFK. 24. Yeah, you've seen his face. And that actually... This is the kind of role where you need that kind of guy. But he's a scene stealer in this. In Daredevil, he's a scene stealer because he's got those sarcastic remarks. He's got the, I'm going to go ahead and speak my mind even though I shouldn't in front of these people because they could kill me. But they're not going to kill me because they can't afford to let me die. They can't afford to lose me. So uh, well, it, I like him a lot. It, this is going to sound crazy. He's almost got kind of a penguin from Gotham <laughs> sort of feel. When you say he's going to speak his mind when he shouldn't, he's scheming. And when he speaks his mind and says things, it's because he has an agenda. Yes, uh, but and he's his also... his agenda is all about the owl. <laughs> yeah. He wants to save the white-hooded owl from being wiped out. No, when... no, him. Oh, 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 yes, yes. That, that, <laughs> he's all that, about that owl. him. Yeah. Uh, I did want to talk about some theme stuff too before we we move on it and there is the idea you know anytime you put a character in a confessional booth you can expect them to talk about some of the big themes and big ideas and the one of the big themes and big ideas here is that relationship between father and son and another one is the idea of there's things i have to do that aren't going to be good you know and so can i be forgiven for them before i even go do it please since i know i'm going to do it I might as well get the forgiveness part out of the way. Um, and then there's the idea that no one cares about people in Hell's Kitchen. And this is where they're setting up law. And this is where he's setting up as a vigilante. To take care of these people from this place that need help. Because everyone's corrupt. And we're going to find out how corrupt they are in a few episodes here. But in this episode, we're finding out. Uh, the corruption goes deep. So it's, it's the, this is the other thing I like about this series, Daniel, is that it's about stuff. It resonates with me because it's actually telling a story about something and telling a story that causes you to think and, and maybe question. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it, it's this episode here. It's setting it up. You know, it ends with them sitting around a table. They're a family, foggy, 
Karen and, and Matt, they're, they've become this, this mini um, club, this mini family, this, this group of three who are going to be there for each other for a time. Uh, you can see it setting up the series. And if we, this wasn't Netflix, if this was 1980s NBC, then them sitting around the table and laughing, that's how you'd end every episode. Um, but for us Just now, like hard castle in the court <laughs> or, or chips, you know, or any of those things. But here's what we get. We get a group of three people sharing food and laughter together. And those two things tell us this group of people, they are friends right now. They are a support system right now. And it makes me feel a little uncomfortable knowing first of all, what's going to happen in the future but then also just watching it as a savvy viewer and, and realizing this episode has shown us this is not going to be typical. This episode has shown us that we are watching brutal stuff, bad stuff, and and people getting hurt. Uh, you know, who is safe? We don't know. And And so to see them sitting around the table together laughing, that's going to be shattered. We know it's going to be shattered. So I, I like the episode though. So we'll, we'll have our final words later, but, um, anything before we move on into our, our listener feedback section? No, I, again, I, I very shocked at how positive I was. <laughs> you did. You sounded so bright eyed and filled with wonder for tomorrow. Well, and again, I've now seen it three times, and I'm definitely not as bright-eyed about this first episode. It's not well, a perfect hour of television, but it's one of the best pilots I've seen. I'm gonna—I'm just gonna throw that out there. Of great pilots, know, ben, this is one of the best. It's got a lot to do to live up to Mexican Sleigh Ride, the A-Team pilot. <laughs> sure, even though Face Man was to be completely changed by the the next full episode but um, i i think that it can live up to that that standard that you are you're you're forcing it into so. well you know it's it's kind of what i hold everything up against <laughs> well let's move on to our listener feedback and then we'll give our final Wait, it's not called listener feedback anymore. no it's called witness testimony <laughs> there we have it ben it took us years I mean, yeah, years to get you to call all the segments the right things. So how are we going to make it through a summer? <laughs> I don't know. Because I'm going to get used to this, and then we're going to jump into the, the, the old way. And Oh, well. Uh, we've got two items from listeners, and we have one um, new review that we wanted to talk about. Uh, Steiny from Wisconsin. Uh, left a five-star review for us on iTunes. And, man, we appreciate those uh, five stars. Um, we appreciate any connection with us, and this is just one of those ways where people can give us some feedback on how we're doing. And, and so Steiny gave us a, a nice little message there and, and five stars. And so thank you, Steiny. We appreciate it. Uh, I feel weird calling you Steiny. <laughs> It just feels weird He's, saying the, the word Steiny. It just goes up dude, to your nasal. Steiny's from Wisconsin. Yeah. We all know. We all know. We all know what? He's from Wisconsin. His name is Steiny. Steiny. I'll explain to you later, Ben. Okay. All right. I'll have to 
have to use big boy words. Okay. He's from Wisconsin. Um, they have a lot of beer there, Ben. Oh, well, it's still fun to say. Steiny. Yeah. I totally want to read this message from Agent Evan. Okay, uh, you can do that. First thing I want to say is that uh, we do appreciate the feedback we've gotten. From here on out, uh, anything about Episode 1, if you send us something about Episode 1, we will go ahead and read it in the current episode that we are discussing. We just aren't going to discuss any feedback you've sent us about future episodes until we get to that episode. These two uh, feedback that we did get were labeled as Daredevil Episode 1, and so we were able to quickly funnel them into where we have have them right now. So go ahead, Daniel, with uh, Agent Evan. From Agent Evan. Sadly, it doesn't have the salad effects. <laughs> hey, guys. Agent Evan here. Just finished watching the first episode of Daredevil and wanted to lend my voice to the conversation. If I was to give an entire series a rating based on only the first episode alone, I'd give it a 4 or 5 out of 10. The pacing seemed very slow to me, and I found myself actually getting bored at certain points. They've amped the graphicness of the violence up a few notches, which I expected, but even still, I'm still not a fan. I don't know what to think of Daredevil's start-out costume, which seems simultaneously cool, yet to me, harkens back to Ninja Turtles a little. Not saying that's a bad thing, it just doesn't scream Daredevil. I did enjoy the actor choosing to play Matt Murdock. I think he did do a splendid job, and I'm looking forward to more with him. The fight scenes were great, and I enjoyed the subtle use of CGI and visual effects at some points during the fighting to show off Daredevil's heightened reflexes. I also enjoyed how they portrayed Daredevil's ability to become a human lie detector. I also loved how they showed Daredevil taking on human trafficking, something I think more superheroes need to run into more often along with other real-world crime. Lastly, I have to say that my first impression is the show doesn't fit well into the MCU. It's much more grounded, dark, humorless, and more realistic tones that's as part in such a way when references are made to the Battle of New York and the MCU at large, I'm caught off guard. In my mind, it just doesn't mesh. Hopefully, many of these problems will be solved as the show progresses. If not, oh well, at least we'll have another face to add to the roster for Civil War. (laughs) Stay frosty. Agent Evan out. I'm going to be. I'm going to say something that many people find ludicrous, including Agent Snook, who gave us so much help with this episode tonight. That's true. We'll, we'll to get to that it? in a moment. But go ahead. I I think it's fair what he's saying here. I totally get it, especially after watching it three times. The pacing does seem slow. At times, it seems a little off, and I got a little bored. Now, I agree with him on that. Where I disagree is is doesn't fit well into the MCU. The MCU is so many things at this point. Yeah. And and really what's going on here is Netflix is giving a platform in which they can try something that's dark and humorless and allow me to say something more Gotham like versus being able to do that in the movie theaters where Age of Ultron, to be blunt, has to be a ten pole five audience movie where they couldn't get by with that. So so I don't have problems with the fact that the MCU is a complex world that's got light and it's got dark. And, and it's got absolute right, goofy. And it's got absolute goofy. We're, in a few months, we're going to have a man riding an ant. <laughs> yep. It's going to happen. But 
so so I'm okay with this in the MCU, especially since this is more street level and it's dealing with crimes that we see in our real world in an MCU context. Yeah. And that, it, that's a great email. Yeah, it, it is a street level thing and but we do get we get gods, we get space aliens, we get a dude who puts on armor and flies around. We get super patriots, and and now we have our our first real secret identity superhero. I, I, there's something to that, in, in that all the other guys, you know, I am Iron Man. First movie out of the gate, I am Iron Man. Uh, Steve Rogers was a super patriot symbol. He was not. It, there was no secret identity. They called him Captain America because of who he was playing and portraying. Uh, to to raise money with war bonds, uh, this is our first superhero who puts on a mask and tries to make sure no one knows who he is, because there's consequences to people knowing. Right. And again, we, he references Civil War. I'll still argue you can't have Spidey be the reveal, but you could have Daredevil. You could. I don't think they will, but you could. I don't think they will with Spidey either, since they're going with him young and in high school. They're going to just be creating kind of a mess. But Here's my worry about that. My worry is, is they're going to force that moment in, where I would argue you just MCU that moment out. <laughs> <laughs> I, it just doesn't emotionally make sense in the same way that no, it does in comic books. It doesn't. So, uh, okay, here's our, our next one. This is from Agent Jesse. And Agent Jesse writes in to say, Hey, Ben and Daniel, I haven't written in feedback before since I don't have ABC, which puts me a week behind everyone else. However, I do have Netflix, so I'm going to try and keep up with your podcast. I have seen the whole season and really enjoyed it, but now I'm planning to go back and watch each episode with your correlating podcast episode. As for my thoughts on episode one, Netflix obviously doesn't need a pilot to get a corporation to sign on. But this first episode would be good enough. It is deep, interesting, and the writing, cinematography, music, choreography, and everything blew me away the first time I watched it. It is really amazing how much backstory the writers managed to fit in without making it feel like a distraction from the main plot. As I got further in, I forgot how good a character Matt's dad is, and Foggy, and Karen, the police officer who is Foggy's, quote, enemy, I can't remember his name. All the characters have stuff to do, are interesting, and generally likable. I especially found Toby Leonard Moore's character, let's call him the employee, for the sake of not spoiling future stuff, he is amazing, and I think he was actually a more interesting character to me than his employer turned out to be in some ways. I love how this episode sets things up for the whole series, and yet is a story which is fairly self-contained. That fight scene at the end of the episode with the water flying, that was amazing. I also really liked how the cinematography shows Daredevil using his powers. That really fascinated me, especially in some upcoming episodes. For me, the theme of this episode, and the whole show, kind of, is listening to those who no one else will listen to. Not those who have no voice, but those whose voice is not being heard. As a Christian, I thought that was a very important message, one very Christ-like and fitting with Daredevil's Catholic roots. Also, the priest, another of my favorite characters. This is just such a good show. Sorry for such rambling email, but I'm really excited to be able to make this a conversation rather than me just listening to stuff you guys said weeks ago. Keep up the great work. I love your podcast every week. Signing off, Agent Jesse. And I, I agree. You know, We talked about the pilot episode. Obviously, we have a difference of opinion on, on the quality of the episode, I guess, um, here with Daniel and me. But uh, this is a f pretty fantastic pilot episode. But the other thing here is 
they don't have to rely on that because they know you're going to binge watch. They know you're going to. There will be some people who watch the first episode and then just turn it on or turn it off rather and don't come back to it. Like I did with that werewolf thing for second season. I watched the first episode of second season. Like I'm done with this. This is why am I spending my time with this? But for daredevil, you know, they know you're going to watch the first episode. You're probably going to sample it and you're going to keep going and it gets better. That's the thing. So yeah, that's, that's, so that's our two, uh, two feedbacks. Um, and I do want to thank you, Agent Jesse, and I'm looking forward actually to hearing your next uh, your next thoughts on on episode two because uh, if I remember, episode two is pretty good. But I would say I that just, about every episode. So, well, and I just wonder if idealistic Daniel still felt the same way. Well, we'll we'll find out, man. You were youthful and idealistic. I, I again, I, I can't remember ever being that young, Daniel. I'm just saying some stuff went down between here and then. <laughs> well, let's stuff give our went fi- down. <laughs> let's give our final thoughts here, Daniel. Final verdict. I'm going to put you on the spot, Daniel. We didn't talk about this, but I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. And I'm going to ask you. Seems like you. <laughs> I'm going to ask you, Daniel, out of five billy clubs, how many billy clubs would you give Daredevil episode one? into the ring after three viewings i would give it three billy clubs wow okay well i guess three is right there in the middle well and so walk in the line i don't know if i've expressed this to you before um five billy clubs to me is absolute gonna buy it love it that much four billy clubs for me is i thought it was really good I enjoyed myself, but for some reason, I'm going to question buying it. Three Billy Clubs is, oh, I had a good time, but I'm good here. Four Billy Clubs is, did not enjoy it, uh, two Billy Clubs is, did not enjoy it that much, but didn't actually tear my eyes out. And then one Billy Club is, you just are horrible. (laughs) So, I mean, three Billy Clubs for me is, you know, I liked it. I enjoyed enjoyed myself. Had a good time here. Three Billy Clubs would would be. I mean, I, I'd follow that same line of logic. Three Billy Clubs is. It's not great, but it's not bad. I'm here, but I'm not giving and, it three and, Billy Clubs. And as a standalone, I would not purchase this episode as a standalone. Yeah, but as a standalone, did it catch you? Because well, it did. I mean, your voicemail it caught you. You couldn't wait for the next episode, according to your voicemail. Well, let's remember that young, idealistic Daniel That's was true. a week behind and was just excited to actually finally see it. That's true. That's true. I Watching it the first time, it excited me because I was just ready for it. Uh, watching it the second time, it excited me because I knew what was coming. And it was setting up all this stuff that's going to be happening. And for me, I can't give it a five because for me, five is perfect. But I, I am definitely I'm, – I'm landing in on a four, and I don't want to mess with half half Billy Clubs. I mean half a Billy Club is not going to do anyone any good, right? I really wish I could put a half a Billy Club on Goodreads. <laughs> well, I'm going with a four uh, because it's, I think it was a pretty fantastic, strong pilot episode. 
So that's that's where I land. Well, Agent Evan's still coming in underneath me. Still lower than me. That's true because he, yeah. I mean, basically, well, he, he'd be using that half a billy club. Yeah, on you. <laughs> oh boy, I, I really hope not. So that that's that. Then I think I think we are done here. And uh, thank you for listening, everyone. And we're gonna play a, a newly recorded and credits, same music, but newly recorded material. Um, I fixed the audio in every episode and I haven't uploaded it all yet because I'm, I want to get this one into the, the queue before the other ones go, go in so that this will be uploaded sooner. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited. I, I even fixed the audio on the, uh, Howard the duck episode, Daniel. Ooh, I did. I, I, I bumped it up so that it would fit the standard that we've, we've now set for the audio levels and, um, that Howard the Duck episode, by the way, is something you can use to support us if you wanted to give us some uh, some cash, throw cash our way because of um, just to help us out. Because uh, I mean, these new sounders that I made, they weren't free. Yeah, that's true. The new sounders weren't free, and and there's other things that are involved that are costs that we have to take care of. But um, really, the best thing that we appreciate from you guys is well, we do appreciate cash, but is is the way you have. <laughs> listened and and give us feedback and hang out with us on on facebook and do the the itunes reviews and everything like that i mean that's why we do it that's that's the the fun of it so but cash would be good too yeah. man is that what you're saying yes and no okay you're making it sound so crass when you say it like that but i guess oh. i made it sound crass first i'm just worried that if we were on a pbs telephone <laughs> for a minute yeah well <laughs> anyway and we also wanted to give a great big huge thank you to agent snook uh brian snook who did the artwork uh the artwork adjustment i should say to create daredevil agents uh for the podcast art that goes on our website but who also gave us the ideas for the uh the sounders that we we created with the new the new uh, headings for the sections of the podcast. So special thanks to agent snook for sending us those ideas and allowing us to, to use them as well. So, um, yeah. So anyway, and until next time, um, like I said before, we've, we've, uh, made some adjustments to cause the sound to sound better. And, you know, I, I don't know if you, uh, think, the episodes sound better or not, but all I can say is, well, it sounds so much better than death and destruction raining from the sky, nearly wiping Hell's Kitchen off the map. Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard us, now we'd love to hear from you. Go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback where you can contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling 177 55 level 7 
can also join the lively conversation going on at facebook.com slash welcome to level seven or connect with us on twitter where we're level seven pod and remember the seven is spelled out our theme music is the light fantastic by js earls and you can find that at transplant.bandcamp.com welcome to level seven is a proud member of the noodle mix network find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think laugh and succeed at noodle.mx learn how to podcast get productive in your personal and professional life theorize over tv shows laugh with our clean comedy delve into science fiction and philosophy learn critical thinking from movie reviews and more at noodle.mx once again thanks for listening and remember welcome to level seven it's not just a podcast it's a magical place hey daniel yeah you know i just realized what i set up all this stuff and i actually loaded up on the soundboard the sad trombone and i didn't even use it should we try it again try what again the sad trombone there's so many things we could use it for are you ready okay you've seen tomorrowland but i haven't see yeah it's multi-purpose no it's there and it's ready but I just didn't use it. Mm. How about this? Ben. Mm-hmm. Mrs. Butcher doesn't want to watch Firefly with me. <laughs> wow. That really brought down the mood in the room. Yeah. Yeah. How about this? Hey, Daniel. My wife doesn't yeah. care about anything that has to do with the MCU at all. Period. At all. That's actually not a sad trombone. I actually appreciate that. <laughs> Mrs. Butcher likes the movies. Yeah. She does like the movies. My daughters like the movies. The ones that they've seen. They want to see Avengers Age of Ultron now. So we'll see. I'm not sure when they'll actually see it. But you know what when you know who what movie they are going to be seeing in theaters and very soon? Tomorrowland. <laughs> Why do I have to coach lacrosse? Oh man, I can't Actually, say anything. Family obligations. I this can't new, next say anything. I wish I could. I have so many things I want to say about Tomorrowland, but I can't say anything. Why? Because Daniel hasn't seen it. <laughs> and and that I note, really, really want to. I even read the book before Tomorrowland. I have a Tomorrowland e-ticket in my drawer from the movie theater. And an agent is sending me a Tomorrowland pin. But I still haven't seen it.